Welcome to the Ethos Forum podcast. I'm your host, Mark Douglas. Today, I'm speaking with Professor Paul Goff. Paul Goff is about to start in a new position as Vice-Chancellor at Arts University, Bournemouth, in the United Kingdom. He is just wrapping up a six-year stint as Pro-Vice-Chancellor and Vice-President at RMIT University's College of Design and Social Context in Melbourne. Prior to this position, Paul was DVC academic at UWE Bristol. Paul is a painter, a broadcaster and a writer. Paul, let me start by asking, in which one of your superpowers are you at your best? Oh, that's interesting. As a, as a painter, I'm only as good as my last painting. And I, I talk about the fact that even at these exalted levels of uh, vice president, and they're not very exalted, but they are demanding that you need as leaders some sort, let's call it psychological ballast, something that keeps you grounded. And for me, it's been grounded in my discipline. My, I, I do have a number of disciplines, background as a fine artist, but also uh, as a cultural and military historian. I mix and blend a whole range of disciplines. But at the end of the day, if I have to talk to my thousands of staff that I have here, my wonderful staff, my fantastic students, I always feel that I have to have that kind of credibility, not just as a leader, but also as somebody who knows what it's like to have to go back to the studio, or has to go back to the referees in a journal paper, or who has to go back to the HDR student to say, I have lived through your pain very recently, and I'm doing my best as a leader to work with you through that pain and through that process. So... As you move in academia and you develop a, a leadership role, you never really let go of your career as an academic? That's true. That's true. I mean, you, you have to put it in perspective because, again, these are very big jobs at this level. I, I look after a college with 26,000 students. When I do a, a podcast or a piece of communication internally, it'll go to 3,500 staff. But that didn't happen automatically. It happened from a position of... I like about 30 years of being a program manager, or even beyond that, of being a student representative. And I think one of the aspects I picked up in terms of growing one's leadership is you proceed from small or local to larger. You grow in intensity and in knowledge, and you apply it in more demanding settings. But again, those demanding settings in academia require you always to be back in contact with what is the beating heart of the organisation and any university it's about inquiry, it's about the application of knowledge and it's about the life of the mind. Hmm. So a career in academia and leadership is often about curating stepping stones. Mm. Every time you let go of something and you approach something else. You are at one of these points now. What are you letting go of and what are you approaching? I like the analogy of the stepping stones, Mark, very much because, in a sense, once you reach a kind of moment where you are going to put the next stone across the very busy river, you've got to make a decision where it's going to take you mm. because you cannot, you know, you, 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 where you put the stone next is where the next one after that's going to go. And I say to my people here when they're going to uh, apply for a position or they want to get promotion, I say it's not so much about what you do next. It's what that equips you to do after that, because that's a critical moment in like a decision tree where you might not be able to go back. And for me, it was very much, I remember, say, natural ambition to become a program manager, being a program manager, running a program of several hundred students and sensing that uh, ownership, custodianship of a, uh, of a particular kind of discipline and being able to make the most of that. 
I never felt I had to give up that much, although obviously when you look at being at Vice-Chancellor level, you realise that you can't be spending four or five days writing a research paper. You have to balance uh, things off. But for me, the trade-off is essentially a personal one, which is, am I making the right decisions about the team I have around me? Am I giving the kind of delegated authority? Am I creating the, the leaders of the future? Am I choosing my people well enough? Because I am only as good as the people around me. And that's, in a sense, why those stepping stones work for me, because I know, as I move across them, sometimes having to, to kind of lay them into, into deeper and deeper water, I know that there are handrails around me built on the back of the quality of the staff that I appoint immediately around me and the people that they appoint. So it's a culture. So as you're laying the stones, you're also establishing these handrails. Who are the people that are supporting you in that, those yes, roles? Yes, that's true. I suspect that at a certain level, and I'm, I discover this in the role here at RMIT, but also in future roles, is sometimes there will be no handrails. And I think that one of the cultures we're in at the moment is how, what's the level of risk that people want to take at, at these university levels. Uh, sometimes you have to put the stone in the water that's going to become the kind of stepping stone a bit further than you might want to put it, and then you just have to say, let's go for it. And I, I, you know, some of the projects we've done in, in this college, in RMIT for some time, have been quite risky. Mm. Um, but they are predicated on a values set of beliefs that mean if you get lost, you go back. What are our values? How do they drive our behaviours? And are we being true to our values? I want to go back to that uh, question on values and behaviours. But first, I want to pick up on one thing you just said about the custodianship of the mm. discipline. Because mm. leadership within academia seems to be a mix of maintaining and, and the nature of the discipline. But on the other hand, there's an opportunity to lead and to change. Yes. Um, so getting that balance right yes. is important. So when... Um, people start new positions, the kind of standard 90-day text is ask a lot of questions, find out what the, what's the granularity of the organisation, what are its own sense of what it needs to do. I think actually in, in the staff one works with, the leaders one works with, uh, and your immediate teams, they often know what needs to be done. Um, often it's about bravery of saying, let's focus on this, let's do that, let's really make a, a difference here. And holding up the mirror to the organisation is a very powerful way of making change. When I first started here, we did the classic 90-day, whereby you, um, you say, what are the challenges, why are they challenges, how do I face into them, what are the external threats that we're facing, and what would be the first thing you'd do if you were in my position. I remember doing that very clearly with my teams, and they played back what they knew and what they knew needs to be done. And when I go back six years and look at that, I can realise that they were setting out the stepping stones for me because they've already owned them themselves. So in fact, your staff were being quite strategic in the way they were looking forward. I think part of our job at these levels is to shape and to choreograph and then co-curate mm. that leadership. I think sometimes you've got to give them, as I talk about, risk and stretch, mm. and also you have to open eyes. Mm. We've done a huge amount of work in micro-credentials or a huge amount of work online. Go back five years, people are thinking, that's just something that others are doing. But actually we're in a, in a, a world of, of extraordinary disruption where we have as universities to take some real leaps of faith. So the leader really has to look a little bit beyond the horizon, that, look a bit further than some of your staff sure. may be looking and, and help them stretch. Sure, I think the leader, I did a talk recently where I showed a, a couple of paintings by the Dutch painters Vermeer and uh, De Hoog. And there's a wonderful set of paintings whereby an individual male or female are at the edge of a doorway and they're looking back into the courtyard into what's known and into what is worth protecting 
and yet they're also available to look out. So it's a balance between the refuge, which is the safe place of safety that we have, but also into the prospect of in the future. And part of my thinking is that's what a good leader should be doing, is they should have enough understanding and observation of what is in the here and now, but they should be able to look above and beyond the horizon. Because if we're not doing that as senior leaders, looking beyond the horizon, we can guarantee very few other people are doing that sensibly. And I think that the balance we have to get right is making sure that we have our eyes on what's going on around us, but hands off. Because the danger is you don't get too caught in the weeds or too micromanaging, and then you need to be high enough to look across and over the horizon into what is a kind of promised land out there, but to make sure that we can build enough confidence, give the kind of support and the, and the kind of ammunition, as it were, the resources to our people to take us into that promised land. Well, that concludes episode one of my conversation with Professor Paul Goff. In episode two, we pick up the conversation when Paul explains clearly how he believes personal and organisational values are central to leadership. He also discusses the role of universities aligning much of their work to global challenges – 